The spirit of the, of the old Negro leagues has to be kept alive. He's absolutely right. That's Colin Powell from an interview I did with him at his offices 20 years ago. And my name is Byron Motley. And welcome to my podcast, The Negro Baseball Leagues, chatting with the legends, 100 years of Negro League Baseball. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Negro Baseball Leagues, chatting with the legends. I'm your host, Byron Motley. Coming to you today with an interesting uh, episode here that I put together based on the previous episode of with Buck O'Neill, who was chatting with the um, high school students that barnstormed and bicycled from Seattle to the Negro League Baseball Museum in Kansas City. Uh, on the heels of that episode, I want to play you a, uh, a roundtable discussion of several Negro League players, including Alfred Slick Surratt, Connie Johnson, Henry Mason, my father, Bob Motley, and Jess Rogers, talking to these kids um, at an event held at the Negro League Museum. Now, another person you'll hear chiming in is Mickey Smith, who is the son of Hall of Famer Hilton Smith, the great pitcher for the Kansas City Monarchs. Mickey had a baseball career himself and played uh, briefly in the majors, as well as some of the other former players who were interviewed, like Connie Johnson and Henry Mason. They also made it to the majors, and you'll hear them discuss some of those uh, tidbits of information also. Because the event had a moderator, uh, you'll hear him ask some questions that the players will answer for the kids. And just so you know who he was, his name is Dr. Ed Beasley. He's also passed on. Um, as well as most of these people, unfortunately, have. But uh, he's the one asking the questions. And um, But the biggest kick you're going to get is from Slick Surratt, who is absolutely hilarious. He held court, and <laughs> he entertained everybody. You're going to hear a lot of boisterous laughter, um, mostly coming from Slick's stories and um, his incredible sense of humor. So you're, you're going to get a big kick out of him, for sure. So all these players, um, at one point or another, played for the Monarchs. So um, just keep that in mind as you listen. And um, I'll intersperse at some point to tell you a little bit more. And um, enjoy this roundtable. It's really a lot of fun and uh, eye-opening and enlightening. So here we go with the roundtable discussion with the kids from the Legends of the Road and some of the legends of Negro League Baseball. Why don't we just go all the way around, mention the positions, starting over there, and the clubs. Ulysses Holloman. Connie Johnson. Please for the model. Alfred Slick Surratt. Uh, I play the outfield, center field and right field, with the Detroit Stars and the Kansas City Monarchs. Jess Rogers. And I played uh, outfield and catch Kansas City and then in the Chicago Club and St. Uh, yeah, uh, New York Giants. Henry Mason. I was a pitcher for the Kansas City Monarchs and the Philly, Philly organization. Bob Motley. I was the chief umpire in the New York Merkel League and also umpired the East and West game in Chicago two years in a row. 
Mickey Smith, son of Hilton Smith. My father played for Kansas City Monarchs from 1936 to 1945, and I was bad boy, so I associated with all these individuals as I was growing up. And I knew the Buck O'Neills before Buck was a manager when he was in the first baseman. I knew this gentleman when he was on fire for uh, the legs. And I learned a lot there because I was there each and every game here in Kansas City. And as a result of the spirits I gained there, I signed by the St. Louis Cardinals in 1958. So I was in the organization from 58, 59, and 60. And I played out And that is today's lineup. So let's play ball. Now, these guys recreated uh, barnstorming, and could you explain the difference between league play and barnstorming, and did you all experience barnstorming? After the season is over, you get a team together, maybe Jackie Robinson, Capanella, and you divide the money. You go and play, and you divide the money. You don't have no owners. And also, you have the major leagues playing, the Negro leagues, you have the uh, Bob Philosophers. Yeah, yeah. Stars. This was after the season. After the season. Again, well, see, see, what would happen, uh, Satch was your biggest drawing card. You can say whatever you want to. I mean, he, he outdrew Campanella, Jackie Robinson, all of them, because everybody wanted to come come to see Satch. And Bob Feller would pick out the guys from the uh, National League, and uh, I mean, Amer- in, 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 in the majors, and then Sash would pick out some of the best ball players in the Negro League. So that's and everybody was wanting to see what would happen, which was something real great. And they stopped in Kansas City and play one game. Yeah. Then they move on to another city. I travel with yeah. them because I umpire those ball games. And they only reason they stopped because the Negro players were beating the American of the National League. So they were getting embarrassed. So they they stopped the ball stuff. So what was the motivation for doing the barnstorming after league play was? Well, that was money. Money. Money, money making more money. Yeah. See, the players wasn't making the kind of money they're making now. And, and after the season's over, if they want to make extra money. And see, jobs? What kind of jobs? Yeah, right. And, see, and it was a lot of the white ball players wasn't making too much money. They, they was trying to, you know, saddle up and, and, and get on one, on one of the barns. Because you, you had a guarantee of $100 a day. And plus three meals, and sometimes some of the gate receipts. So that was, hey, that that was big money. See, back in those days, they didn't have no hundred thousand dollar ball players. No, a hundred thousand dollar ball players. First one was Babe Ruth, and after that, the rest of them were making between ten and twenty and thirty and forty thousand dollars. So after the season over, they tried to make more money to support their family. So you had to send money home. That was the difference. And then, if you were just in one place, it would, it would be good money. And, and then another thing, when you travel south, if you was a single man, uh, if you run across one of them nice ladies, and you, nice. Well, they, nice. they, they would, uh, they would, uh, they would uh, cook you a meal. I mean, sometimes you'd get on the bus. You remember Connie with a whole cake, a whole chicken. Well, see that? Hey, you were doing all right for yourself. See? And, uh, uh, it was just, and then when you went to Raleigh, North Carolina, you could get breakfast for 25 cents, and you could go back through the line and get all the biscuits seconds you want, and you could buy a pie, a whole pie, for 15 cents. <laughs> <laughs> See, that, that was the difference. Time. We made All-Star, 
Uh, in I California. Think, uh, when he's through, I'll explain. Each something. man got seven hundred dollars up the game. You have to keep one thing in mind, that when you look at the black community, doctors, lawyers, all live together. They didn't live out the community. So the, you didn't have a middle class, you know, an upper or lower. People were all, what, the same. And hence, when they went to church, it was the same. When they went to the baseball park, it was the same. You see what I mean? So you have a leveling situation. But please keep in mind that racism from the outside towards the one in. And once you're forced in, you build your own. And hence, this is how this whole thing grew. Pardon me. <laughs> well, can some of you tell us some of your experiences in playing in the Eagle Leagues, and more specifically, barnstorming? Like some of the towns that you went to and played? And... Well, I'll tell you one experience that I did have. Uh, it was really after I got through playing ball in uh, well, in 1973, I think it was, I got a, a chance to catch Sandra Page. In other words, what happened, he was a pitching coach in Tulsa. And they invited a guy named Smith. What is his name? Yeah. Smith invited all the guys from Kansas City to come to Tulsa for his birthday party. And they had a, a team, a, like barnstorming, between Sandra Page All-Stars and... Bob Fell All Stars, and uh, I got to catch Satchel Page doing that game. And that was uh, a big thing for me. He's gone. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think the score really matters. Just a chance of uh, putting on a little exhibition, that's what it amounted to. What, was, what did it feel like catching? Did he throw any well, fastballs or anything like that? Well, you know, it's after he was up in age. Uh, and then I had gotten older, so it really, I don't know, I don't think anybody missed a picture they threw up there, really. <laughs> well, again, man mentioned Barnes. Barnes, I'm really just going playing a lot of small towns. Individuals never seen major league players play. Uh, you talk about Omaha, Des Moines, you talk about St. Joe, you talk about Springfield, Missouri. The small locations you go in, you play. The individuals who live in those areas will come on and see you play. So you give them, letting them have the opportunity to see what major league players look like or Negro players look like. Some of you tell them about when you were injured, uh, how you took care of yourselves. I think that would be very interesting. Some of the home remedies. Nobody <laughs> 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 can hurt. Uh, yes, that's right. Well, that's you got hurt, but you can't play. You can't play. Yeah. 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 on you, you did other things. And then what you had, to, uh, a lot of people would call it kerosene, but we call it coal oil. Coal oil and cedar. And soak that and rub that in there. Well, see, that was a that was good remedy. What did, what did you use when it was hot? It was a hot day. Didn't you have a lemon or water or whatever? That we had walk ice water. That we put uh, lemons in it? Yeah. Well, you would drink, yeah. Well, we also yeah, use it to cool yeah, us off. Yeah. You put, put a towel in it, too. Yeah. You put a, no, you, put, you had a towel, you put a towel in it. <laughs> you put it going outfield and come back and put it be dry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you put it in, you put your foot in there. But see, you didn't like to put your foot in there because, you know, you so had to, yeah, yeah. But you had to buy your own spice. And you're not gonna, you're not gonna mess up a good pair of shoes. You couldn't even, no, no. no. Uh, a lot of beer. Yeah. I know a lot of brown, all 
I'm sticking foot in there and went out in the outfield, come back into the drive. <laughs> now, now the, the racial climate created this, this uh, the Negro League, the climate for this, the racial climate then. But when you went into these small towns where there weren't a lot of uh, black uh, Negroes and colored and uh, African Americans, what what was how, how were you received when you went into these small towns? These guys came through. Are you talking about Barney? No, I'm talking about. Oh, that didn't make any difference. These far-flung uh, places like uh, Bancroft, Iowa, Carroll. You know, there's not black folks up there, or, or South Dakota. There, even Canada, I guess. There's when yeah, but you had some places up in Ohio it was worse than <laughs> uh, uh, Mississippi and Georgia. But we I know mean, where to go. But they yeah, say they, right. they, yes, the people, see, if it's a plain black, black, you would do black. Black, that's well, right. See, you say you didn't, uh, didn't uh, can't eat it, you don't eat that. See, we knew from the start what we was up against. I mean, that was explained to you before you got on that bus right here at 18th and Versailles. We didn't know no better back in those days. <laughs> we didn't know that we could drink from the we knew our place. We knew where to go. Now, I, I, I traveled on the bus with the, with the ball players, but I always took the back seat on the bus so I could watch these guys. <laughs> these are some, some mean guys. They, they play to win. These guys play to win. They, they wouldn't go shucking and jive ball player that you see around here today. Like a relief pitcher come in. In the seven minutes, you got to have a, a close. These guys close their own ball game. Fact by some of them pitch a double header. His daddy used to pitch a double header. Let me tell you one thing. Satchel Page, I was umpire one day, and Satchel Page was on the mound. Satchel Page pitched two in there. His dad came in and finished the ball game. I'm the umpire. And the second game, most of these guys played a double header. His dad started the second game, and his dad could hit the ball out of the ballpark. His dad. Let's go back and try to answer his okay. question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, trying to be nice. And, the, qu the question being, when we went to other locations, what happened? Uh, there were a lot of name calls. Yeah. Uh, there was nothing you could do, depending on the situation. You hope that someone in the crowd would kind of pull people aside, but uh, as you brainstorm, uh, you learn how to park your bus outward. So if something does happen, if you're using cars, uh, the cars are parked such that if you have to leave fast, then you can rush to the car and get out of here. Uh, there were situations, but you had hoped that they were not, but you expected them. See, you, you had some ball players. Now, now I'm going to tell you what happened in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, the Indianapolis Clown, uh, uh, the, the clown went up in the stands and got a white baby and everybody in the dugout was looking and trying to grab everything they had. Now, King Tut, you remember King yeah. Tut? And he got a baby, a white baby, and went all through the stand and he used to collect more money uh, uh, passing his cap around and he was making. <laughs> See, and, and, and the whites thought it, it was real nice, but let me or you one go up and stand and grab a white baby and carry him around. He was a clown. Yeah, he was a clown. But if you'd have done it, you'd have been dead. Well, he was, he was the first mascot. Yeah. In baseball. Yeah. He was, he was the first. There was none before him. Nicholas came, Nicholas came in after that. 
He could hit that ball. Yeah, he could, and he could catch that ball. It wasn't only in uh, those towns that you were called names. Even after you left uh, the Kansas City Monarchs and went into organized baseball, as they call it, you, uh, and you get on some of those uh, uh, teams, uh, like in New York, or <laughs> just you know about up in the Eastern League, you still get called names. Yeah, still, well, still also Last year, I played with in San Antonio, Texas. And I think that's one of the worst things that ever happened to me. But down there, um, I was on the team of five, five black guys. Marv Williams, I think you remember him. He played in the yeah. league. And Lou Klein was our manager. And we played in, um, oh, what's this town in Texas? Victoria, Texas. And uh, one night, see, we traveled in station wagons. And uh, one night, all the black guys went over in the black part of town to have dinner. And it so happened, I'm driving the car. And Lou Klan was behind us, and he saw us when we turned off. And um, next day, all the guys said, hey, man, Lou Klan, going to you, get you tomorrow. Get you. I said, what happened? He, he said he saw you went somewhere, went somewhere in the car. So... When we got there, ready to go to the ballpark the next day, everybody's standing in front of the motel. And here come Lou Klein, clicking clacking in his cowboy boots. And uh, who had that GD wagon last night? So Marv Williams played with Lou Klein. I figured he would say something. And then uh, J.C. Hartman, another guy, had played for him. I figured one of them would say something. Well, after the third time, he said, who had the wagon? So I said, I did. Who told you to take it? Said nobody. He said we just went over to the black part of town, had dinner, and come back. He said we got a place for y'all to eat over here, which was in the back of a restaurant. I said, well, we're not gonna eat there anymore. We want to eat in a restaurant where we can sit and talk. And don't have to be behind nobody. He said we tell this a place where you gonna eat, and this where you gonna eat. We said no, we're not gonna eat there anymore. So he said let's go out to the ballpark. We went out to the ballpark. And I was hoping somebody in the stand said something to me because I could cuss them out. <laughs> Nobody said a word to me. But to make a long story short, from that day on, uh, Lou Klein, he respected me for what I believed in. Because I didn't believe in, uh, and what the bad part of me, and the bad part about that is two guys on the team after the game that night went ate in that same restaurant that I said he wasn't going to eat in. So it made me look bad. Now, when you guys are first breaking into the major leagues and you're playing the down the minor type, did you guys stay in separate hotels, or did you, uh, as a team, said you said there's five blacks on that team? Did you yeah. guys stay in separate hotels, or did you all stay in the no, south? We stayed in the uh, all the way on the south side of the motel. We stayed at the same motel. Separate sections the back or end. separate motels. Back okay, so the motel was actually segregated. Or you had stayed in the black well, area. You know, you wouldn't, so I guess you weren't supposed to notice this, but we all stayed on the back part of it. All five of us. When I was in the International League, uh, the only hotel that we couldn't stay in was in Richmond, Virginia. Um, when we went to Richmond, we stayed in separate hotels. Uh, and I was glad because, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was no bed check or anything like that. <laughs> uh, 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 but the, but the, the answer question, many situations, now, is let me that you stayed in different thing that, locations. Uh, 
that happened in Richmond, Virginia. There was three back, uh, black boys uh, on uh, the Buffalo Bison's baseball team. It was me, Satchel, and Poncho. So we go to the ballpark that evening, and when we walked in the dugout, there was three hangman looses there. And uh, I said, uh, well, I'm going to go tell Don Osborne. And uh, I went in and told Don, and they removed those things. And uh, Satchel said, uh, Satchel used to call me country boy. He said, country boy, you know I wasn't going to let nobody bother you. I said, uh, I hope not, Satchel. <laughs> but what are you going to do with all of these people down there? So uh, we were walking to the bullpen that night. Uh, Satchel was short man. I was long man. And, 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 and they had another guy for a middle man. Uh, and we was walking to the, uh, to the bullpen. And uh, somebody in the stand was wisecracking, said, uh, Satchel, how long are your feet? And Satchel looked up at him and said, not as long as you are ugly. <laughs> so I thought it might be something happening there. But he just got the arms of the But uh, that's about the only thing that uh, uh, in the International League, that was the only seven. Some interesting perspectives from these former Negro League players who had barnstormed throughout the country for years. Now, 20 years ago, these high school students from Seattle, once again, barnstormed by bicycle from Seattle up through Canada, back down through the upper states in the U.S., made their way all the way to Kansas City. What's interesting was they were all white kids doing this on behalf of the Negro Leagues. So you can imagine some of the pushback these kids got when they showed up in some of these rural areas, white kids supporting the Negro Leagues. Hmm, didn't go so well sometimes. So some things have not changed, even today, but we're hoping things get better and progress will happen in this country. But let's go back 20 years ago and hear what these kids, what they dealt with, and some of the lessons they learned about race and equality in this country that they shared with these former Negro League players and the level of respect and love that is shared between these generations of uh, human beings. It's quite beautiful. I got a question for the, the legends that came here. Now, you guys were all white, and you came and you were going to Negro Leagues. Did you see any negative stuff while you were on the road? This is, why are you white promoting Negro League? Um, when we were in Hot Springs, I think it was South Dakota, um, these we're out selling shirts, and these kids just come up to me, and they're like, where's your Negroes? I'm like, excuse me? I'm like, where's your Negroes? You're, on, you're supposed to be representing Negro League's team. Where's your Negroes? I'm like, um, all the African Americans in Seattle, they were, they couldn't make the trip. I mean, there wasn't anyone to come on the trip, and like, well, I want this shirt, because it says Negroes on it. And I'm like, I, it was weird for me, because back in Seattle, I mean, you, don't, you don't get that kind of terminology being used. Like these kids were using it, and it was guessing. The thing that kind of got me was that it, it kind of offended me that, that they were, it seemed to me that it was just ignorant. And I think that's what got to me was they seemed really ignorant. 
Just a bunch of questions. I think the most popular question is, what are a bunch of white kids doing uh, supporting the Negro Leagues and stuff like that? Shouldn't there be some black kids on the team or something? But you know, that was just, you know, it wasn't like they didn't come out and you guys need to or anything. They were just like, out of curiosity, what are a bunch of white kids doing out here? And we just told them it was open to everybody. And we just happened to be the guys that were selected to do it. And they had the bicycles and really in the ride across the country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like a racial issue or anything about who was picked or who wanted to go. It was just by choice, and we were the ones that wanted to do it. Well, you, you players, did you join this thing to, to help promote the new league, or did you come because you loved the game and you wanted to play baseball? It's not well, I think it was a combination of things. I mean, you can ask somebody if they came to play baseball, and they'll say yes, but if you look deeper into it, they we've all thought about the Negro Leagues and what these guys here have done and all the rest of the guys have done. I mean, you look at it and it's such an honor to uh, be honoring them and what they did. So it's really a combination of things. We love to play baseball. These guys love to play baseball and we're honoring something that it, they did and brought into the world. There was a lot of love in that room that day. Boy, that was a lot of fun. It was a special time. Some special kids, some special men. And the fun ain't over with yet. You have a rarity, gentlemen, of seeing these baseball players. Absolutely. The rest of your life you remember this. Treasure it. Now's your opportunity to ask them some personal questions. Tomorrow you say, gee, why didn't I ask that question? <laughs> Please now, get a chance. Ask okay. What kind of girls did you guys meet on your <laughs> <laughs> You got the best. You got the best. Your video now. I, I know. Oh, am I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. My wife knew I, I, I like women because I got her. <laughs> <laughs> if I'd have been chasing a man, <laughs> then, then you would have she, she, She'd have had some kick up. But look at, look at here. This is what I would do. Uh, if you're gonna, it, it only costs you ten cents more to get a pretty one, and it was a they eat the same thing. So, well, from what I've heard, Satchel Page just looked after everyone. Did you guys experience that? He looked after uh, other players. Did Satchel Page look after all the other players and take care? Yeah, he was nice. Yeah. He was nothing wrong with him. He, he, had no, he had notoriety, so you needed a yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. when you went to small towns. Yeah, you right. see the word Satchel Page and never see him again. Again, if you didn't go to a major league game or a Negro League game, then you're not going to see any great players. So here comes Satchel Page. And naturally, you know of such a pace, so you come out and say. And see he, it, he and wasn't a friend of God to, 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 yeah. to deal with, either. He, see he, it. And getting back to, to managers, you want to know that who all got along with, with everybody. Well, I had a ma manager that, uh, up in Canada, Double Duty Ratcliffe. And he was stingy. But <laughs> in ways to get some money from him, see, every night after a ball game, he would have a table. And nothing sit there. 
he was the oldest man at this table, but women. And if you wanted some money, you go up and ask him in front of all them women. And you could get it, because I used to go up to him and I'd say, Mr. Judy, my son is sick. Well, well, how much money do you need? And I said, well, a hundred or two hundred dollars, as much as you can spend. Take three hundred. But now the next day at the ballpark, hey, he's going to call me to sign. He says, I hope that boy of yours died. Well, Connie had, he had a manager, Jesse Owen, who, who was the same way. Always asked him when they in front of the ladies. You did it, you did it. You time right. This guy was named, was Double Duty. Double Duty Radcliffe. Now he would pitch one game and catch the next. And he was a good ball player, could hit the ball, and he could get you out. Is that where he got his name? Double duty, yeah, huh? Yeah. His his name is is Thompson, but it, it, that's where he got the name, Double Duty. Speaking, were you familiar with him? What's that now? He passed through the town that he lives in now, from Jamestown, oh, North Dakota. That he used to Double coach. Duty. Oh yeah, he yeah right because he, him and his daddy and Satch was the first blacks to play out in Dakota. Yeah, your Double Duty, and his and his daddy and Satch. What kind of businessman was Ruth Foster? <clears throat> hey, a smart man. He had to be smart to organize this, but I mean the, the Negro League. Yeah. Which is a building right across yeah. on to sale the the YMCA. Old, the old YMCA. Still yeah. sitting. The building is sitting there now. Yeah, that's, right. That's right. What I thought that thought that up here, but that's a, a woman. Yeah, YW is on yeah, this side, uh, 19th yeah, Street. The one yeah. sits on the corner over there. Yeah, we're trying to think about rehabbing. Yeah, yeah. See, Ruth was a smart man yeah. because, I mean, see, he did something that, uh, I mean, a lot of people can't do today. And he wasn't, and he wasn't no college man. Just and now you're talking about the barnstorming. That's what happened prior to. They were barnstorming. There was no league. They just set up games and played wherever they could. And once he organized, then they began to have the schedule of coming at the larger stadiums. Did any of you play in Cuba? Oh, yeah. Can you tell us about in, yeah. that? Cuba, I love Cuba. How come you're not there? Cuba. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of Yeah, I like, I like Cuba. That's the first time I ever seen a night parade started.
But I will tell you, but I won't tell you today. <laughs> oh, that slick was a card. I told you he, was, he held court, kept us all in stitches. Did you barnstorm much in Canada? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, see, we, we played, I mean, and, and barnstorm all, all, all over the United States. See, th that's what baseball did for a lot of people. I mean, it made you see towns that you never would have seen before, and uh, and, uh, and uh, all of that. I, I mean, I, I was glad I got a chance to play baseball. Yeah, it's just like you, these young men came from Seattle, came through the cities they'd never thought about, never yeah, heard right, of. Right, Same right. thing would apply with your barnstorming. You go to places that if you lived in Kansas City, grew up mm -hmm. in Kansas City, you never thought about, so you start playing baseball. It opened up a whole new avenue for you, a whole new world. And I'm sure when they came here, coming, getting to Kansas City was a big thrill. They won't recognize it until they're about 50 or 60 years old to think the things that I did at that age, those other young, young people will not do. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And then right. they'll think, you think now, you said, I mean, the, the things that you, you was going to do, you better do them yeah. now. Because if you live to get my age, 78 years old, you're going you, you gonna to look back and then you can't pick up nothing. <laughs> that is a great life lesson to live it while you can, while you got it. Gotta go for it. So, back to a few more stories. So, where was your favorite places to play? Like, what kind of cities, what area of the country? Well, it, it, uh, Panama and, and, and Puerto Rico. In the United, you mean the United States? Well, anywhere. 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 New York? Yeah, New York. New the Yankee State? California? Oh, you had a lot of places. A lot of good places. I think that's what we wanted to Yeah, yeah. Hey, all the places would enjoy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> because, see, you love, you love the game. All you want now was a crowd and then something nice after the ball game. See, we, I mean, uh, see, when we played, we would line up tables like you got us all around here. See, on this table would be a lot of flowers and all the ball players, and then they had company. Some, yeah, 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 and see, and, 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 uh, and then see some of the company was nice looking. Company, you know, same company. Yeah. <laughs> Got the video? They keep talking. <laughs> 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 well, see, the main, main thing with the women back at that time, it wasn't the idea of it was just the women that would come out. They would um, just want to be with ball players. They want to be recognized. With a ball player, that was what their biggest thing was. <laughs> now you said that uh, you said that barnstorming preceded uh, the the organized leagues. Then could well, you talk again, about that? When we say preceded, because we had not organized, therefore the game of scheduling to other teams to play, you did not have a league. So you contact teams and set up. Let's meet in certain locales. Let's talk to certain cities, and let's just come out and play. Where once you organized, you had a schedule, and that's the difference. Barnstorming, you set up a schedule usually after the season. Usually, again, an organized league, the schedule already set up prior to. And that's the difference between barnstorming and regular leagues. Did any of you ever play in Spokane, Washington? I used to umpire in Spokane. Pardon me? I umpired in Spokane in the Pacific Coast League. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So then you were in Seattle, too? I was in Seattle, too. Yeah, I played in Tacoma. Tacoma? Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. See, when the league. When I left the lake in 1958, I went to the Pacific Coast Lake. At that time, they had a team in L.A., Sacramento, uh, Spokane, Seattle, uh, 
Yeah, all good. Right. Now, were you allowed to eat any place in those locations? Uh, Live anywhere you wanted to live? Uh, my umpire my buddy was kind of funny. Let me tell you about it. And I didn't realize it until after the season was over. We, we meet at the ballpark as the umpire. We go to the dressing room. After, um, uh, after the ball game, they say, see you tomorrow. So they go, go that way and I go my way. <laughs> see you tomorrow. Yeah, see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we wanted to be. And you didn't think no, no, nothing about it. I get my cab and go to a hotel. <laughs> and I see them back at the game at a certain time. That's what it was to me. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. That's it. Yeah, but when you was on the road, you all stayed in the same hotel. Ooh, not, not now, we didn't care about the hotel. We yeah. stayed in the same hotel. I'm, but I mean, I got out them hotels and went, you got to be some black food. No. Oh, oh I, I can understand same, that. Hey, hey, you get hotel. Wait a minute, are you saying you stayed in the same hotels? When? In the major league. In 1958, I went to spring training with the St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Rochester Spring Louis. We stayed in different hotels than the other team. The black stayed one place, white stayed the other. And this is 1958. This is also the same year in spring training that Curtis Flood in, in the exhibition games went out and removed the rope they had out in the bleachers for the blacks. Removed that rope. It was 1958. In 1959, when I went to the major league, I stayed in the same hotel that the white one year later. Well, I'm saying we stayed in the same well, hotel. In spring training, no. Some we stayed in private practice. homes in Clearwater. Now, is this different organizations? Well, this is major league. Yeah, what's a different organization? Well, St. Louis, well, depending well, on organization. But, but, but some teams are different. Doing this area, not too much. St. Louis, I wasn't fooled. Oh, well. St. Louis is going to be progressive. St. Louis is kind of funny. Huh? Well, this was in Dona, Daytona Beach, Florida. Yeah, I was in Arizona, so no problems. Yeah, but also we have the minor leagues and uh, I think Dothan, Alabama. It's different. So there, when you went, you knew that when you arrived there, that you got a cab, black cab, and you yes, went to a right. certain area. If you was in Dothan, I know you did. And then I'll you would, time then before your practice, and after yeah. that, you would go back, and you would eat differently and everything else. And, and then you go to different teams. The bus still all the white got on the bus. Yeah. But also, oh. I was in Winnipeg, Canada, yeah. and we lived in different places as well. So, is that, is that you, you know, got to go? We're less open to incorporating <laughs> African-American ballplayers on their squads. Was it in Washington? Boston? Boston? Yeah, I think Boston. They were the last to integrate.Yeah,Boston.Boston.Boston.Boston.Boston.Boston.Boston.Boston.Boston.Boston.Boston.Boston.Boston.Boston.Boston.Boston.Boston.Boston.Boston.Boston.Boston.Boston.Boston
But uh, one or two guys in Hilton Yeah. Hey, <laughs> all right. 
real quickly for the young men, if we could go around very quickly, what is the one thing that you learned in your travels from Seattle here that you'd like to share? Just real quickly and tell you the names. I'm sure the other uh, men like to hear that. Let's start over here. Why well, over there? Where are we now? All right, go ahead. How you guys traveled just to get to the places to play a game. I thought that was really cool. So just travel so far just to play a game. Oh, let's see here. I learned a whole bunch of stuff. I saw a lot of good stuff and a lot of bad stuff, but I figured that I learned that biking a lot of miles in a day and playing a game <laughs> is really hard. <laughs> and someone was telling me that that you guys play like four or five games a day, and I figured that would be hard to so I see where you guys are coming from. And, and realize they didn't have some uniforms. I don't think we played five games. We played, but you didn't have some uniforms. I'll bet three We had the old wool uniforms. Same with us. Three, two double-headers. Double-headers, no, singer, coffee, and no more. Yeah. played a double-headers then. Race track. Yeah, that's the only game. Over there. Who's next? That's another other? Yeah. While he's thinking. All right, let's jump over here. I was actually, I was in a uh, library in Jamestown, North Dakota. It's in North Dakota? Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> we were sitting in learned. the library, and I was looking through a bunch of microfilm, and I uh, was reading about Ted Double Duty Radcliffe, actually. And he was, he was supposed to report to one of his teams, and I think he was about three weeks late. And he came in, and the uh, manager of the squad, they were waiting for him to come in. He came to his first game, and it was actually a doubleheader, as you guys were talking about how he got his name and everything else. He came in, and I think he threw a shutout in the first game. And then uh, he, he went three or four in the second game and caught the second game, and they won both games there the first day he got there. So that was really interesting to find something, something out about that. It was really fun. Yeah, right. Something that stuck out in my mind, I guess. It was kind of fun. Gentlemen, you can see how these young men have really studied your lives in many ways. I guess it would, I'd be the same as Adam. I learned like what it's what it takes to ride into a town in one day and play a game and be tired. But like you guys play four games in a day sometimes, so I guess I learned what it'd be like to do that. I pretty much learned so much about baseball. I came on this trip, didn't know a single thing about baseball. I learned, I learned that it hurts to get hit with a ball. <laughs> There's a kid in Bismarck that can throw really hard. Um, I've learned that the near leagues, the uh, forgotten chapter of baseball has to be the most interesting part of baseball I've ever read or learned about and I'll probably ever see or read about. Um, again, I learned that uh, it takes a lot of physical effort to travel and then play a game and I don't think we ever had, we don't, the only double, play, double header we ever had to do was in the trail. We didn't have to bike that day, but to bike 160 miles and play a nine inning ball game in wool jerseys, that was tough. And, we always had to keep our head up, heads up, and we had to watch what we did and say around people because we heard that the Kansas City Monarchs were of the highest class, and that we had to live up to the 
what how they were when they were around that they were just total class when I was in suits and jerseys nice and clean and everything. So we had to try to live up to that. But uh, inside the rooms they had no closed doors. We have to kid <laughs> let boys be boys, but outside in the public we uh, tried to be as respectful as we could as well as respect the game. Yeah, we couldn't drop uh, a pillar box six ninety miles to play either. I guess the question kind of is also, also is they were able to take showers. Uh, <laughs> Did we miss anyone? Young men over there too. Oh, okay. Um, I think one of the the best things we learned is that um, when people would figure out what we're you know when we tell them what we're doing and what we're doing it for, they would really begin to appreciate it more. I mean, a lot of people didn't, like, they'd say, well, why are a bunch of white kids doing this, or why are you riding all the way across the country, right? And then when we told them, they really started to appreciate it, and then in Hot Springs, there was a, an African-American fellow that came into the, the restaurant when we were eating breakfast, and he was just basically, it was just like, uh, you know, God bless you for what you're doing in, in this, and that really basically made our day after waking up pretty early. So, I mean, that kind of thing. Yeah. Just, like, talking to a lot of people and seeing them being appreciated was good. Right. I've learned a lot of stories about the Negro Leagues. I, I heard one time Josh Gibson hit a ball all the way out of Yankee Stadium. I heard how uh, Babe Ruth hit a home run off Satchel Page, and then Satchel came to the plate and shook his hand. Learned about the East-West game you had, and that was the highlight of your year. That was like the World Series. But, over there. Young man there. Yeah, I, I'd have to say that I really learned how, how hard it is to you know, go on a, a long road trip like this and be away from home and you know, being tired and playing ball and, and still trying to you know, stay positive, stay mentally strong without just kind of you know, breaking down because you're just you're beat. You've been waking up early and riding and, and trying to. <laughs> catch long ball games and then old jerseys I mean that was quite an adventure for me catching those things I mean I just sweat up a storm and uh, I mean that, that can really get to you uh, upstairs and, and, uh, and I just really learned how hard that really is to be out on the road that long you didn't meet any girls? So, what was that? Careful, parents are around. <laughs> I'm sorry, next. <laughs> Would you do it over again? Would you do it over again? Okay, one more. Okay, one more. If I say what I learned, Trevor has to say what he learned. I, I think, uh, you know, in, in uh, the whole experience, I think just the awareness of the Negro Leagues and, and uh, you know, really for me, you know, a big part of the trip, we really didn't see a lot of African Americans. You know, and we were traveling in towns where, where you barnstormed, where you played games across the country in your off season, and uh, it, it really was. It struck me as just to think how big of a deal it was for people to see us, um, but how uh, very interesting and, and how uh, much of a culture shock it must have been for these people who do not have African-Americans living in their community to see an African-American ball club come through and play, um, and how important that is um, for us in our race relations, that uh, you were able to build relationships and to expose each other to uh, 
friendships and relationships across race and across heritage. And that's really getting to what we talked about yesterday in the forum is it's really a big part of how we will improve race relations is how those relationships are built and friendships. And so I think this is very important for these young guys and, and for um, you know future generations to know these stories that have been passed along and, and will be hopefully preserved and shared with future generations. So I've learned a lot. It's been a wonderful experience. So. Let me add one thing here is that even though you may have been locales where there was no minorities, as these individuals quit playing, finished their careers, many of them went to the small towns to play that had so-called semi-pro teams. And so again, you may have only one black family, two black families, no black families there. Again, if they had a sports team, baseball team, they would invite some of the individuals to come to, play, to spend the summer. My father, when he quit with, with here in Kansas City, Missouri, Kansas City Monarchs, he played two years of football in Minnesota. And we had the opportunity as a black family to go up one summer and spend our whole summer there. And as a young kid, I was able to play baseball there with an all-white team. So again, you have that exposure many years ago. You don't have it today. But again, we were some exposure. And wonderful opportunities for me as well. I've got a question for you. Um, a couple of years ago, Penny Marshall produced a film called League of Their Own about women that play professional baseball. But these young men may not be aware that there were actually a few women who played in the Negro Leagues. What are your recollections of those players? Uh, I played uh, with Tony Stone for the Kansas City Monarchs, and Connie Morgan played uh, second base for the Indianapolis Clowns, and Mamie Pina, uh, she played, uh, she was a pitcher. Uh, now, <laughs> They were good ballers. So let me say that. Well, let me raise another issue: is that even though we're talking about the Negro Leagues here, there was a white team that we participated against. The what you call that team? House of That we didn't say very little about. And again, so we're talking about segregation. But in fact, when they came to town, whoever wanted to buy a ticket could go to the game. So we played other white teams during the regular season. It's interesting that you mentioned that team, the House of Davis, because I was talking with some of the players last night. I was explaining to them about that team. And the, the thing that, as far as this trip that they've made this summer, right now they might get a lot of publicity from it. And, you know, as time goes by, people may forget about it. But somewhere down the line, people are going to realize the contribution that you've made. And it's going to come out just like that team, the House of Davis. Yeah, well, well, and how's they were unique because they all had beards. Yes. They could play. <laughs> they could play. They could play. Oh, they could play. They could play. They wasn't no shucking and jiving. Keep your eye on the ball. We talk about a guy by the name of Jew Baby. Jew Baby. Jew Baby. Tell me about Jew Baby. Jew Baby. Jew Baby was a. What you call it? Something like a cowpracker. You rub that, rub that, man. Trainer. 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 He was a trainer. But Jube was a baseball player initially. Huh? He, was? he played baseball initially. Yeah. Yeah. And after he retired, then he started, he became a trainer. More, it was more or less Jack, uh, Jack Page, I think. Yeah. Such a man. But Jube, yeah. when someone got hurt, Jube uh, would put on the whatever necessary to, to heal them. Home remedies or what it would took. Uh, yeah. He was a person that he you go to. Rub. He had a rub. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. That rub. Yeah. I got one to real quickly ask you. What about spiders and webs? Uh, Slick, you once told me how you had to take care of a thing. Yeah, well, we, 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 we,
People are not aware of that. Well, see, the spider web was the, and uh, and sut out of an, uh, a coal stove. Sut. So yeah, sut was the stuff that would stop the bleeding, and the uh, and the spider web would would Talk, we, uh, yeah blood, it blood. would seal it. You know, so that's what they use. Like if you got a, a deep cut, somebody got spiked real hard. Well, uh, all a guy had to do was just take that spider web and suck and put on it. Well, do you see, do you see a spot a stuck scar? That's what that is. Yeah, yeah. Well, it stops the bleeding. But I also talked about Tiger Woods yesterday. Got stung by a bee. Pardon me. I know this is going good. Yeah. But the Royals. Oh, I love my Royals. Oh, they sure messed up a good thing. That was such a great conversation we were having, but we all have to get to the baseball game. <laughs> and how many of you knew about the spider web thing? So the next time you get a little nick or something, try some spider web and some soot from your oven and see how that works. Back in the day, they had to do what they had to do, and they got through it. So that ends it for this episode of the Negro Baseball League's Chatting with the Legends. The next episode will feature Henry Mason, who you heard a bit from in this episode. Uh, Henry passed away just a couple of weeks ago, so may he be resting in peace and power. And to all of you, keep living in peace and in power and embracing and loving each other because that's what life is all about. If these kids can do it, and this generation of old black men can come come together and under one accord, we can all do it. With that, peace out and play ball.